This is Shi'ar Jeshub, coming from the Church Fellowship of Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and today we will be continuing the study of David and Goliath from 1 Samuel chapter 17 as part of the Heavenly Authority series delivered by my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo. When we left off, Pastor Greg was in verse 25. And this tormentor, this Goliath, captivates, takes all the conversation, all the energy, and you see the Israelites sitting around talking about this problem, talking about this man, Goliath. Do you see him? If someone only could go out and kill him, look what Saul would give. Saul will give great riches. Saul will give his daughter. So they get great riches, they get a royal marriage, and they get exempt from taxes, tax exemption. How much better could it be? And yet, none of us will do it. Nobody will, will do it. Apart from the power of God and faith in God, believers are overwhelmed. We're dreadfully afraid of the things that Satan will send against us. And it's a horrible place to be where Saul and the Israelites are, that they're stamped, they're labeled as God's people. Yet, they're not truly dedicated vessels standing in God's power. Saul has been forsaken. The Israelites have fallen back time and time again. So they're labeled as God's people, but they don't stand in God's power. What are they? They're food for the enemy. They're food for the Philistines. When a Christian is stamped as a Christian saying, I'm a Christian, but is not a dedicated vessel, anointed in the power of God, that believer is food for the enemy to devour. We're declaring something in the heavenlies with our mouth that's not really so in our heart. And the enemy is not going to put his arm around us like an unbeliever and say, good, you're one of mine, because we're labeled as God's people. And yet we're not covered over with the protection of the Lord. And we're like that camp. We can't go forward. We can't go back. We're shaking. We're powerless. And the fear of the enemy is before us. And it's a terrible, terrible place to be in. And dreadful fear overcomes. And nothing. Wow, look at this. Saul give all this stuff. Yet nobody will go out to fight. Verse 26, then David spoke. This young man can't help but speak up. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? All that's going to be done for the person that does it? And we still have this uncircumcised Philistine Who is he that he should defy the armies of the living God? What shall be done? Who will take away this reproach, this shame, this disgrace? Which man of you is going to do it? He's pretty much saying to the older men there. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies 
of the living God. Look at what David has seen. They've seen this one big guy in armor. David looks at them and says, you're the armies of the living God. David knows the history. David knows the miracles that happened even a few years earlier on the soil, the marvelous victories they had. He knows the victories they had in the Samuel. He knows the history of God bringing them out of Egypt and miracle and deliverance and the judges and Samson and all the rest. And he doesn't look back in the valley at Goliath. He looks at them and says, you're the armies of the living God. And notice his sight upon them and his sight upon God. He sees who they should be. We should see who we should be in the Lord and stop being who we shouldn't. And he says, you're the armies of the living God. God is not a dead God. This is the living, true God. These people worship idols and rats and tumors. They're Philistines. They're uncircumcised Philistines. But we worship the God who is. He is the living God, the true God, the one that made us, the all-powerful, the almighty. And when you compare the living God to Goliath, Goliath looks very, very, very small. Think of the distance from here to the outer rim of the universe. Can we imagine it? Can we measure it? It's almost infinite, right? What is nine feet six inches compared to the distance between here and the moon, or here and the sun, or our solar system to another solar system, or one galaxy to another? Yet God, with a word, created all that. He is the living God. So what is nine and a half feet? It's only a few feet bigger than another guy. But God is so much greater than that. David has a vision of the living of the true God. Too often, like the Israelites, we look at the situation. We look by sight at that which is right before us and is temporary and is of right now and in the schemes of eternity is very small. And we become discouraged and powerless because of it. And we don't look by faith. We don't walk by faith in who God is. A couple of quick scriptures from the New Testament. In 2 Corinthians, it tells us clearly in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, good scripture to memorize, for we walk by faith, not by sight. As Christians, we are told to walk by faith, not by sight. In Hebrews chapter 11, the great chapter of the Bible of the men and women of faith, it tells us in verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It may be hard for them to see the victory against this Goliath, but the unseen, the almighty God, we have the evidence of him, and we have faith in him. We don't focus on Goliath. We don't focus on the humans that are coming against us, or the demons, or the situation. We're to focus by faith on God. 
Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And we're told down in verse 6 that, but without faith, it is impossible to please him, to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. When we walk by sight, we're not pleasing God. In Romans chapter 1, in verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. We're saved through faith in Jesus Christ. We believe in what he did. And our walk as a Christian does not stop there. We walk from faith to faith. It's a walk of faith from beginning to end. Faith in ourselves? No. But faith in what God can do and what he has promised to do through us. We are worthless, we are hopeless, we are powerless, but in Christ Jesus we are the armies of God. From faith to faith. And then later on in chapter 8, in verse 24, For we are saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. You can't say, well, I'll believe if I just see it. The faith that pleases God is when we believe in what hasn't happened yet, that he will deliver, that he is a delivering God, that he has delivered his people, and he will deliver his people. And we hope in it. And that hope is hope in the nature of God, in his power and his will, that he is a good God that delivers his people. And that hope pleases God. But hope that is seen is not hope. If you're just hopeful when everything is good, everything is great, everything is fine, that's not hope. That's thanksgiving. You thank him then for the manifestation of what's happened. Hope is when it has not been manifested yet. Hope is when you see Goliath, he's nine and a half feet tall, he doesn't have the stone in his forehead yet. But you're hoping to what God can do. Once it's done, then it's praise and thanksgiving. It's easy to cheer when Goliath's dead. That's easy. It's hard to cheer when he's there in the valley and he's marching and mocking and taunting Israel. But that's hope and faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. We wait, patience, we persevere. David doesn't see the overwhelming power of Goliath because David has faith in the much greater power of God. And in comparison, as he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this guy that, that he should so mock and defy the armies of God, that he has this reproach upon Israel, who will take away this reproach from Israel? 
So characteristic number one was that David was a responsible, dutiful, obedient to authority, good steward, doing what was told for him to do, not being puffed up by the fact that, hey, old Samuel came and said, I'm going to be king someday. He accepted the anointing, then he put it aside and did what he had to do as a shepherd, as a son, as a member of the kingdom, being honorable to the king. Number two, now we see that David is a man of faith. He's a man that has a clear vision of God, and he's not daunted by the circumstances. He's not fearful by the obstacles, as Israel and Saul are fearful. Would you describe David as fearful here? No. You would describe them as we're told right here that they melted away. They fled. They were dreadfully afraid. But you would not describe David as fearful. Fear, as I've said many times, is the opposite of faith. Fear is the opposite of faith. Israel is fearful. David is faithful. And he's a man of faith, and that's going to make him a good leader. I invite you to join us for Sunday service at 10 a.m. at the Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. Take I-95 to exit 61. Go south to Route 1. Turn right, and at the next light, turn right again. We are across from the James Madison Memorial. And, as always, you can write to us at Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle, P.O. Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. Join us next time as Pastor Greg Scalzo teaches from God's Holy Word.